2: may the fourth be with you. who is that masked man
1: avengers assemble good afternoon and welcome to the fantastic forum i'm ulysses e campbell some genre related news before we get to today's discussion the finalists for the 2020 hugo awards lodestar award for best young adult book and astounding award for best new writer and for the 1945 retrospective Hugo Awards were announced last Tuesday. You can view all the award categories and nominations on the official award website at hugoaward.org. Our congratulations to all the nominees. Last Saturday, April 11th, marked 50 years since the launch of NASA's Apollo 13. Apollo 13 was intended as the third lunar landing by mankind. The moon landing had to be aborted when the mission suffered a catastrophic mechanical failure two days after its launch. The survival of the crew was in question, and NASA had to improvise procedures to return the craft safely to Earth. Astronauts Jim Lovell, Fred Hayes, and Jack Swigert became the first humans to survive a space accident. And the phrase, Houston, we have a problem, became part of the popular culture vanity fair magazine's latest edition features an exclusive look at Dune directed by Dennis Villanueva the film stars Timothy Chalamet Rebecca Ferguson Zendaya Oscar Isaacs Javier Bardem Stellan Skarsgård Dave Bautista Josh Brolin Jason Momoa and Sharon Duncan Brewster The movie, based on Frank Herbert's classic 1965 novel, is the most ambitious adaptation yet, and Villanueva has planned to split the material into two separate films in order to accommodate the breadth of the story. You can see some of the pictures on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash fantasticforum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter too. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Sam Raimi confirmed rumors that he is, in fact, directing Marvel's Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. The production has been in talks with Raimi since splitting with former director Scott Derrickson in January over creative differences. Raimi is a Marvel comic book movie veteran, having directed the Tobey Maguire trilogy of Spider-Man films almost 20 years ago. His inclusion in this project can only lift the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Doctor Strange Into the Multiverse of Madness is currently scheduled for a November 5, 2021 release. We're saddened by the passing last week of Honor Blackman. The British actress was best known as having played Bond girl Pussy Galore in Goldfinger. She also notably appeared as Kathy Gale in the Avengers TV series. Her other credits include Jason and the Argonauts, Doctor Who, Danger Man, and The Saint. She was 94. Also last week, Mort Drucker, caricaturist and comic artist, best known for his movie and TV satires appearing in Mad Magazine, died at the age of 91. And earlier this week, Argentinian comic artist and writer Juan Antonio Jimenez Lopez, who was best known as the co creator of the Meta Barons comic, passed away. He was 76. Today on the radio show, we're talking about all this and more. And joining me on today's show, I have uh, the ever redoubtable Drew Bittner, the wonderful writer of *The Underfoot*, and Emily Witten. And Emily, Heck I yeah. know that uh, on the last show, Drew was standing up for you because we were talking about uh, different comic books that we should read uh, that are from publishers other than DC and Marvel. And uh-huh. he mentioned *The Underfoot*, and well, I was like,
2: hey. Darn
1: good call. So.
2: I agree with that. It's good to be here, and i've I've got Lily, my hamster on the call with me, even though you can't really hear her because she's a hamster.
1: Well, so she's not quite evolved enough to participate, but sadly, uh, I'm not gonna hold my breath. Well, actually, that's probably a good thing because that would mean we'd all be extinct
2: and... <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> as as the underfoot has currently predicted three. Uh, natural disasters that have happened since its publication. <laughs>
1: well, well, hold that thought. Okay,
2: we'll talk gotta, about that.
1: Complete the introductions here. Uh, final member of our panel is Julian lytle uh, the um, fantastic writer and artist and all-around Renaissance man.
3: Hey, how's it going, everybody?
1: There you go. All right. So. Um, before we get to the meat and potatoes of today's show, just a couple of things that I had wanted to uh, that I felt begged for a little more than what I had in the intro. In terms of uh, Mort Drucker, I mean, I remember being a kid and uh, there was a Star Trek, uh, the original series parody that they did um pretty much any kind of parody that Mad did. Uh, and and this guy was I mean, he was the caricature artist that Mm -hmm. Mad used and, um, you know, really just a phenomenal talent. You know, yet another one of the ways that Mad Magazine made an indelible imprint on popular culture.
2: Yeah, you know, even before I was really collecting comics or reading comics, I had read Mad Magazine and I knew about it and I knew Mort's name uh, you know, but before I got into the whole comic scene the way I am now, so, you know, he really penetrated, uh, everyone's consciousness beyond just people who read comics, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and Mad Magazine was the point of entry for a lot of people in terms mm-hmm. of getting into the genre, so it, it's, uh, again, just very noteworthy and, uh, and sad, you know, to have yeah. lost some of these people, but hey, the nature of the genres being what they are, their work lives on in the That's movies true. and in the illustrations, and something that future generations will certainly continue to enjoy as we mm-hmm. will. So, yeah. Um, something else, this latest iteration of Frank Herbert's Dune. Uh, by uh, Dennis Villanueva that, uh, it, it, you know, big spread in Vanity Fair earlier this week. Frank Herbert is somebody who really wrote the book on world building effectively uh, for a uh, science fiction uh, fantasy story. Um, Drew, I'm sure you have something to say about that. Well, I mean, you know,
0: Frank Herbert was one of the ones that got into... Um, really complicated cultural dynamics and politics and economics and spiritualism. I mean, the the underlying story of Dune is sort of the you know what if Jesus was a warrior not a peacemaker kind of uh, framework, and that sort of informs the structure of the empire that he created. But um, yeah, Frank Frank Herbert was brilliant at, at doing this stuff. And, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, Herbert himself has been gone for a long, long time, but new things are still being created in the Dune universe by his son, by other writers, kind of attest to the power
1: of that. Mm, yeah. So uh, the original Dune, because I honestly, when I first read Dune and Children of Dune and God Emperor Dune, that was all there was, and it was a trilogy. But as I recall, uh, it ended up being at least... Five books, and possibly more. He wrote
0: five or six. His son and Kevin Anderson have written about six more, I think. Mm. So there's there's really a, a huge body of work set in the Dune universe.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know. The one thing I want to see is because uh, the way that uh, Herbert described people on Melange, uh, the spice that drove everything, uh, your your entire eye turned blue when you were on that stuff. I want to see him do your right when you're on that spice. I want you to, No, you don't even <laughs> see a pupil. Your eye is just total blue and that's the way it looks when you're on the spice. So I
2: think that looked pretty cool.
1: Oh yeah, no doubt, you know. Yeah. Oh, um the other thing that uh, I just wanted to mention this is in terms of that whole congratulation to the nominees. The Hugo Awards nominations came out. Mm -hmm. The Hugos are like the Oscars of science fiction.
2: Yes, congrats to all the nominees. They're listed online if people want to see. Uh,
1: Indeed. And I had wanted to pivot to, because we talked a little bit about this on the last show, but uh, things continue to evolve with this. And of course, we are caught currently in the grips of A worldwide crisis and that's having a tremendous impact on every element of society uh, and commerce and not the least of which is comic book distribution and what we were talking about for the first half of the last new episode was how diamond comics distributors has suspended payments to their um, creditors and uh, because of course the comic specialty stores that support Diamond uh, have mostly closed. But, of course, part of that is in response to the fact that Diamond stopped shipping new comics to the comic specialty stores. So Mm -hmm. I had wanted to sort of get uh, people's input on this because I'm seeing a lot of discussion, because naturally people are getting stir-crazy, and so I'm seeing a lot of discussion on social media. Uh, People are asking questions like, oh, when we finally get through this and stuff gets back to normal, what are you going to do? Now, What's
2: normal going to be?
1: Well, exactly, because I don't actually think that we're ever going to go back to normal, and I'm doing the air quotes thing with my fingers. <laughs> and one of the things that is going to change profoundly uh, is likely to be comic book distribution and uh, how people get their their comics, printed comics, going forward. Uh, Julian, you've been a little quiet, but I know you got some thoughts on this.
3: Yeah, I don't think the system. I think what this happened, what happened so far, um, is that it showed that the system that's been in place since about the mid 90s isn't sustainable because it shouldn't be hampered by one, by basically one choke point. So, like, this whole thing with Diamond not only not shipping comics, that hurts stores in states that are still open, that haven't been shut down by uh, stay-at-home orders and such. it It hurts the it hurts the publishers now. They can't pay who they owe. That's gonna hurt a lot of publishers. The small publishers are gonna get hurt first. The big publishers, Marvel and DC, can survive depending on how long their corporate masters want to keep them doing what they do. But And even the mid-tier might be able to, to wait it out through cutting deals and doing other things. But some the rest of previews, when you look at previews, those are a lot of small publishers. And they're not having any money flow at all now. They're probably old money. And they're not going to get it. And we don't even know because we, now we're finding out that Diamond is furloughing a large majority of their staff. So we don't even know if Diamond is going to be able to come back after this period. So mm-hmm. what happens to the whole setup and what will the larger the larger pieces of the puzzle of comics and distribution-wise, what will they do to kind of like lift all the ships to keep things afloat if Diamond can't come back? Because a lot of things are looking like they might not be able to come back at all, mm-hmm. even if things get better. I don't know. That's what it look. I might be dire. I might be like chicken little right now, but you, know, you can't think pay you're your too people
2: far off. I mean, they I, I don't know if they'll not come back at all, but I do think right now it's fairly dire. And I do think that right now, you know the everything's broken down, and you're entirely correct that we should have some mechanism in place that doesn't break down like this. you know, like when this stuff happens, there needs to be some sort of mechanism in place.
1: so well, you know, Emily, the margins are kind of slim in, in this particular line of work. And you know, even for. Oh, I the, know, Yuli. I too,
2: know. I, <laughs> I was going to
1: say. <laughs> I know you do. But just going to remind listeners that this is Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I am joined today on the show by Drew Bittner, Emily Witten, and Julian Lytle.
2: No we question.
1: And, and one of the things that uh, I have seen some discussion on uh, is the fact that the movies and the television shows uh, based on comic book source material are so incredibly lucrative. And one of the things that I have reminded people of several times during these discussions is that even a moderately successful comic book movie today is going to generate more revenue than the entire combined comics industry does in the space of an entire year and so when you look at that i mean i i i really obviously comics aren't going anywhere because it's source material and you're always going to need that source material and so the, the, the stuff has value for that reason, if nothing else. But how long does a Warner Brothers decide that they're going to lose money on DC Comics before they just kind of shutter the whole thing or scale it back mm-hmm. to the point where, hey, look, you're doing what we want in that you're continuing to provide this source material and to a maybe a lesser degree a proving ground for new characters and uh, new material uh, while we are putting you into the pipeline to develop you into something else. So I'm curious. Yeah.
0: Drew? There's something I'd say about that. And and one is that, first of all, uh, the coronavirus has actually shown the vulnerabilities in our economy really like nothing else ever has. I mean, we're seeing where having one distributor for all comic books is basically a big, big problem. And the fact that Diamond was able to outlast and um, outdo its competition, Capital Cities and all these other distributors that were out there, uh, you know, back in the day, um, that did not leave us in a better place. And, you know, having only one company doing this is, is a weakness. Um, as far as DC and Marvel, I think it's it's fairly easy for you know, both Warner Brothers and Disney to make the decision that, you know, yeah, we'll we'll keep these things afloat for a while. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, there's vast warehouses of stories that both of these companies have generated over decades now. And the fact that they've made the Dark Phoenix story twice in the last, you know, fifteen years, you know, kind of tells you that, you know, they're not they're not necessarily going back and looking for new stories to tell. They're they're looking for our, you know the high the high profile stuff that they can put out there.
1: So you're talking about in terms of the uh, material that's getting adapted into movies.
3: Yep, yeah, exactly. Although, let's
2: be real, we had Guardians of the Galaxy one and two, and that wasn't the highest profile stuff in the world. So it could be a mix still, but you know,
3: even that's still really old. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is like what?
2: It's true. Forty years old. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well. Not
1: the stuff that they were putting out, you know, the Star-Lord stuff. I mean, you're talking about more Vance Astro and Martin X and Charlie 27 and Starhawk and that stuff is Star- like 40 years old. But
3: Star-Lord so, is from the old Marvel magazines, from like the black and white stuff. So even he well, that's true. He's old. Like, they don't need, they actually don't need new content. They could just no. remix the same content they already had. Yep. which is what they're doing.
1: <laughs> Let's not give them any ideas people. <laughs> that,
3: that is, but that is what they're doing already. Like I, that's not even a new idea. Like everybody saw a movie called Civil War. That came out in the mid 2000s. That's not even
2: But I think I new. think that if we keep if creators give new ideas, then people will like for instance Runaways got made into a TV show and Runaways wasn't that old. I mean, you know, that that came out in what? The late Mid two thousands, some of that had to do
1: with the subject okay. matter, though. I mean, as I recall, Runaways, you know, you're talking teens. I think mm-hmm. that they they were trying to appeal to a, a youthful audience. I mean, the demographic. Yeah, but was it was also just them. a really
2: good book when Brian when Brian K Vaughn was writing it. It was a really good book, you know. So I mean, like, you put out good content, and maybe that'll get in there. But I still I see what you're saying too. I don't I don't disagree I think, entirely.
0: I think the big counter argument to all this that, you know, the the thing that sort of set in motion is it doesn't cost these big conglomerates very much money to keep these publishing branches afloat. It's it's very cheap. And the fact of the matter is that comparatively speaking, (laughs) comparatively. But the fact is that, you know, you've got all these stories, but you never know when lightning will strike. You don't you can't predict a walking dead. Based on mm-hmm. what came before that, you can't predict um, the creation of a Deadpool or you know all these other characters. You, you don't know because they don't necessarily exist in your inventory. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I'll go, go, back to, I'll, oh.
1: wait, wait, wait. I'll go you one better with that too. I mean, the whole the Steve Jeppy didn't set out to corner the market in distribution. It 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 just sort of happened, and you know then when uh, what was it Marvel I think had tried mm-hmm. to create their own distribution element, and that fell off. and all of a sudden, here was Steve Jeppy, who was the 800 pound gorilla in the room, o- only person left standing. And you know, I, I think the the uncertainty, part of what we're seeing is because nobody nobody was able to foresee the way the distribution changed. In fact, I remember when the first comic specialty stores started opening. I mean, personally, I thought it was a better model when you could get this stuff at uh, the drugstore, at the sweet shop, you know, at the newsstand. I just felt like it was better. I mean, you know, sure, the uh, comics specialty stores it kind of turned out to be clubhouses, and you know, they were these bastions for people to go to, and you know, centers of the uh, the, the genre, and the, the, you have the. Uh, writers and the artists who could come make personal appearances and, you know, they were selling all this ancillary merchandise and all of that. But the other thing that I, I want to throw in aside from all of that is how the distribution model changes as time goes on, because, you know, Hey, let's face it, it online distribution is, is that that's here to stay. And comiXology once Amazon acquired them a few years back, I think it was five years ago now, Uh, You know, all of a sudden, because nobody knows whether they're making money or not, but it doesn't matter, because Amazon owns them, so they can lose money for the next 10 years, you know, while still being able to provide online comics, and that's a valuable platform for individual creators, uh, small publishers, who can't get into the Diamond catalog, because that was the other thing, I mean, Diamond is only a semi-benevolent monopoly, in that Mm -hmm. they control what gets published and what gets shipped, you know? So, in fact, they've had stuff that sat up in the drawers over there that barely saw the light of day. In fact, some of the more successful properties, yeah, who knows, <laughs> they sat up in drawers for a while. But, you know, it, it isn't going to take much to just nudge some of this online content because even I, who was believed that reading a comic book is a totally tactile experience and i want to hold it and smell the newsprint back when there was still printed on newsprint and all that but i've read comics online and quite frankly with my failing vision you know i like being able to put this thing up on a television screen and you know be able to go from panel to panel and take my time with it it's bright it's big i can see it okay you know i mean this is absolutely the future and all we need or for a few more people to embrace that means of distribution, and that's going to knock out print altogether.
2: Well, and in the meantime, Yuli, though, um, you know what are people able to do to get their work out there while um, this is going on? I know that some uh, like comics creators have looked at the idea of trying to get books directly to smaller stores that are doing like online sales right now, but that's... Only if you're able to figure that out and you have some connections to stores and stuff. In the meantime, you know, what are the options really is is a question.
1: And a very good one, too.
2: And I don't don't necessarily have an answer other than, you know, what I just said about certain creators trying to figure that one out. But, yeah, I, I wish that we had some better ways to figure out how to help the industry right now as opposed to just as we continue to, you know, Uh, change and go forward you
1: know yeah yeah. this is very this is likely to be an example of natural selection Uh, because I I, I think there still is a interest in and a demand for the material and Mm -hmm. uh, part of it is going to be dependent on how nimble the industry is in being able to respond being able to recognize and respond to some of the trends that are coming but mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear that we're not going back to the way things were. It just can't. I mean, none of the stuff is going bad. There's going to be a new paradigm as far as comic book distribution, and whether it incorporates some element or elements of the old distribution model. I mean, in some ways, they've kind of blown it up themselves, and you know, the margins uh, were not as uh, broad as I think that they perhaps might have been. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, of course, that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a break. But does anybody have anything they want to say uh, before we go into the break about this?
3: The book market is still alive. So even if the single issue comic books aren't coming out, the That's graphic true. novels and the original graphic novels are still going to bookstores and places to sell books and Amazon itself.
2: Yeah. So, and we are yep. still working on our second, our next book. So, yeah, right, that, everything's go. going forward. Yep.
1: Well, and in terms of the trades, that had been, or, or, I, I dare, I, I'm not sure about the numbers, but I'm going to make the guess that trades had been a really big, if not the biggest part of the, uh, the, the industry, uh, is the way things had gotten. Because you know? in fact, that's why you see the story arcs the way they are. They like five, six issue story arcs, because it makes it easier to compile into a trade you know, that they can then package and sell. Does anybody know if I'm making that up or is that true? No,
3: I think they're doing well, but I know that the original YA books that DC are doing are actually doing quite well. So like that Wonder Woman book, it it's it already sold hundreds of thousands of copies already. So and that came out within the last couple of months and they put out that Gotham High last week. Last week. So like I have a feeling that's gonna do well. Like it's like a CW free form like drama with Teenage Batman and Catwoman and Joker, like, Hmm. well, that's Hmm. probably gonna do great. Probably gonna do fantastic. I think it's. I think it's
0: interesting. They've had uh, commercials out lately for uh, Batman: Last Night on Earth, the collected edition Mm -hmm. of that. Uh, That's been on TV a lot. And um, I guess my closing comment on this would be, you know, to repeat the Joker's line from Dark Knight, which is, you know, there's
1: no going back. You've changed things. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and on that note. I'm going to remind everybody that WERA is a community radio station. That means we're uh, non-commercial among many other things. In fact, we've got a fun drive that is coming up and so you're going to want to be a part of that. Visit the website at WERA.FM. Find out how you can support community radio, community media in your area. So uh, we're going to step aside while we acknowledge the invaluable contribution of our underwriters and our sponsors. We're also going to take the opportunity to promote some of the other fine WERA programs that are coming up later today and this weekend. And we'll be back with more Fantastic Forum right after this. Don't go away. And welcome back to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell and i am joined today by a stellar panel of fantastic experts and they're also my close personal friends i'm really lucky i'm joined uh, because of course we are social distancing and through the miracle of technology everybody is sitting at home being very safe i'm joined by drew Bittner and emily witten and julian lytle and uh, before we took the break we were talking a little bit about Comics distribution and some of the interesting things that are happening with that. Does anybody have anything that they want to close that out
3: with?
2: I think it's just going to be good to look forward to or look for um, any adaptations that are being made by, like, small publishers or by creators to get some of their work directly to shops. Um, And I know that some shops are still operating, you know, doing uh, eBay or online sales of their inventory while this is going on. So there are still some ways to get some comics, whether it be back issues or even maybe soon some new stuff, but through that avenue. Um, so for now, those are good places to maybe look if you're jonesing for some new comics.
1: So um, the other thing that I had kind of wanted to talk a little bit about because everybody is pretty much going star crazy at this point. Some <laughs> yes. have... can we
2: call this? Are you sane? <laughs> <laughs>
1: would you like to call it are you sane <laughs> or,
2: or are you being sane all by yourself is the long name for it oh man
1: <laughs> yeah well you know it's it's this is totally unprecedented well unprecedented for many people i mean we uh, Genre-interested people. We've seen this a whole bunch of times in various (laughs) movies or in comic books or on TV shows. I was sort of interested in what you guys thought some people might be interested in taking a look at, uh, since uh, we've all obviously been looking at stuff, uh, you know, not all of it genre-related. But I was just curious as to uh, what some of the recommendations are that you all had. Um, Julian. Why don't you mention something and uh, then we'll uh, kick it to Drew and to Emily and then back around to me?
3: Well, television wise, I like to show on BET called 20s. It's about um, a group of young women in Hollywood basically trying to make their way within the industry of Hollywood from a more uh, lower level and the issues with, you know, the life, their lifestyles getting in the way and. Their messiness of being young and trying to figure things out, and the perils and headaches of of the entertainment industry. It's a half an hour comedy, and it's probably one of the only shows that I really check for during this uh, whole COVID quarantine thing, because I still go to work, so I don't have a bunch of time during the day (laughs) to look at shows, so... I'm still on he, my regular schedule of I I shows at
2: <laughs> You are essential.
1: All right, Drew?
3: In in a time like
0: this, there's honestly nothing better than um, essentially entertainment junk food, and that, to me, is sitcoms. So, um, Catherine had never seen Cheers before. She's a little bit young for that. The show actually aired oh, so many <laughs> So Your, your you know, child bride. He's <laughs> young. So so anyway, so I took I, I took CBS All Access and, and walked her back through some episodes of Cheers and she's really been enjoying it. So we watched Cheers, we watched a little Frasier, a little family ties, and you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of comfort to be had in those old, just sometimes corny, sometimes silly, but really, really great classic
1: sitcoms. All right, there you go. Emily?
2: So mine's a split because maybe I'm weird, maybe I'm not. But in the middle of this you're crazy. definitely weird. I'm definitely weird. <laughs> but in this particular. A- thanks for that. In this particular aspect. <laughs> um, oh, I
1: love you.
2: <laughs> oh, I know. It's all good. Um, the one thing that's weird uh, in this is I have been rewatching. So, Sci-Fi made Battlestar Galactica free on its app, and I've been rewatching. The the more recent uh, iteration of Battlestar Galactica.
1: Galactica,
2: Yeah, and and the the thing is, and and I haven't rewatched any Walking Dead yet, but I kind of had an urge to watch that too. And I guess the reason is because here are these people who are in worse situations than we're in (laughs) and are seeking it out and figuring out how to do it. And their leaders are strong and know what to do in some Mm. situations, or if they don't, Mm. they figure it out and they take responsibility. And it's weirdly (laughs) comforting! It's weirdly comforting to be like, you know what? Here are these people who are living on a battle star. they cannot leave, they cannot go outside, they still stay in shape, they still go fight Cylons, their president cares about people, every little baby born is a celebration because it's about the human race, Their commander is a good person who's not in it for glory. You know, everybody on that show... I mean, sure, there's like Gaius Baltar and stuff, but like, you know, you've got this difficult situation, much worse than ours, and they're persevering and being good people with honor and with principles, and it's like, oh, people could be like that, that's great, awesome. And some people in our world are right now, and so that's amazing. Um, And The Walking Dead... I just, almost the very first thing I thought of the very first time I saw those pictures of empty shelves where toilet paper could be, (laughs) uh, was the times when they had gone out on those runs to the pharmacies and had to go through all the picked over stuff to try and find, like, essential medication. I was like, oh no, we're all gonna be in The Walking Dead one day. Thankfully it hasn't quite happened yet, but it's getting there with the grocery situation. But anyway, so those are, like, rewatch things. But my fun, light, frivolous one right now is called Nailed It, and it's on Netflix. It's a half-hour fluffy show, and the um, Nicole Byers, who's the host, there's a a famous uh, chocolatier who's the, like, other judge of the, it's like a baking show, and then they get a celebrity or a different judge on as well, and they take three really bad bakers, and they give them insanely crazy, decorative, fancy cakes and cupcakes and things to make. They do two, two challenges challenges a show, and then you get to see what they made compared to what it's supposed to look like. And I have not laughed so hard since I got stuck inside by myself. Like, <laughs> it is a funny show. And all the judges, even if, like, the, pre- the people totally messed up and n- almost nothing went right, the judges will find something nice to say, like, well, you didn't bake a cake at all, but your buttercream was tasty. You know, like, they're so <laughs> nice. And it's just good fun, especially mm. for this time. So I would recommend Nailed It on Netflix.
1: Mm. Wow. You know, I, I I, don't know. I guess I'm going to be the outlier uh, in that... Uh, firstly, I'm going to mention something the genre related. I mean, I appreciate. Hey, 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 Battlestar Galactica know, and Walking did, Dead, did. man. I Come did. On. I'm sorry, I, I, you did, uh, but you also threw and nailed it. <laughs> so.
2: I did. Oh, but there's a Marvel episode. There's one where they do Jaws, like they do. It's all. It, there's a bunch of genre related decorative cakes. So, anyway.
1: Okay, well, maybe I'm not going to be the outlier then. But what I will say is that. It's never a bad time to rediscover um, old movies, and in particular, uh, some old science fiction classics. Things to come, uh, you know, from the H.G. Wells story. That's uh, early 30s. Metropolis, Fritz Lang's uh, Marvel uh, sci-fi epic. That's one from the the 20s, actually. Uh, There are also other films from the 50s. I mean, stuff like... Forbidden Planet, uh, Howard Hawks, The Thing from Another World. I mean, there's there's a whole universe of these old science fiction horror movies that are really entertaining. They're the foundation of a lot of the stuff that we're watching today. And if you happen to be shut in... Uh, it's a fun way to kind of spend an afternoon as long as you don't mind black and white I mean my kids can't stand black and white (laughs) so it's like dad come on you know we're going back around again Julian
3: okay another show that I'm watching right now is on the Vice Network it is called Dark Side of the Ring and Ulysses I would say that wrestling is very much genre (laughs) Oh, they have backstories describe, and everything. But I can't. <laughs> being, <laughs> being that it is real-life superheroing for a long period of time, uh, before the movies, you've got to watch Hulk Hogan do amazing feats. But um, <laughs> it's basically uh, stories of stuff that happens to the people who are in wrestling and certain tragedies that has befallen these people that a lot of people don't know the ins and outs of, only know a little bit. You get to get real serious documentaries. This is the second season. It started with the tragedy of Chris Benoit and they just recently did an episode about uh, the late 90s event called The Brawl for All in which Vince McMahon decided to let those wrestlers actually box each other for like a summer and that did not go well. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's some of the best TV documentaries on right now and everybody should give it a shot and find out and watch it and you'll learn something like you might it might be a little sad, but it's also going to be captivating to find out like what happened to Macho Man and and things like Bret Hart and and all these type of things is just it's just great television for anybody.
1: Uh, Drew, like
0: one thing that I've been watching is, for instance, Disney Plus. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of people know Mandalorian, and a lot of people know that they're public, You know, putting out things early on online like you know Frozen 2 and Onward and things like that um but there's some great nature documentaries too you know we're looking forward to seeing Elephant and I think Dolphin Reef is another one that's going to be out or is out now and um so there's there's things that are beautiful and soothing to look at on Disney Plus and if you are interested by all means check it out I think it's a great
1: platform uh you've got a young child and so yeah. if you were trying to entertain Younger family members, uh, you know, you I think you have to sort of widen your gaze, as it were. So I appreciate you uh, mentioning that in particular.
2: Drew, I get what you're saying about the relaxing nature and uh, the relaxing nature of the nature documentaries. Um, because, yeah, that's that is it's nice. And it's nice to see the outside when you're stuck inside. Um I'm going to jump over and say a couple of podcasts because. Uh, when you're at home by yourself all the time. And I am also working from home, so it's not like I have tons of extra time, but I do, you know, like, listen in the morning or evening sometimes. So there's a podcast I've listened to for such a long time that I've gone through every episode of the over 250-something. I think it took me about five months, but I made it, like, oh. a thing. I was like, I'm going to listen to every one of these. These are genre people. They're on the con circuit. You often see them at Dragon Con. It is the We Got This podcast with Mark and Hal. That's Mark Gagliardi and Hal Lublin, who are also part of Thrilling Adventure Hour, the Work Juice Players, etc. And it's a great podcast where these two guys, who are really good friends, just chat with each other about these decisions they're making that are things like, should you put ketchup on a hot dog? Best Marvel movie. Worst Willy Wonka kid. You know, all these things like that. And they sometimes do research sometimes not so much they have a researcher who sometimes does it for them and the the nice thing is they're very conversational convivial and fun and it's all good natured it's a family-friendly podcast and it's just like good company plus they're they're really funny depending on what the topic is that they're talking about so i recommend that one and then um in the very obscure at the moment genre podcast Uh, Bernard Pearson the cunning artificer who used to do and still does a bunch of Discworld uh, approved licensed merchandise has done two episodes of a podcast where he talks about adventures and stories he had with Terry Pratchett and so the first one I listened to today uh, while I went on my socially distanced get out in the fresh air walk far away from people with my mask and everything and my hand sanitizer um and it was with Rob Wilkins, Terry's business manager for a long time, um, who now still manages a lot of the business. And they just chatted, like kind of fireside chatted, about like different Terry stories. So I'm looking forward to the only other episode that's on now, but I'm sure they'll do more after that. So it's I think it's just called And Then He Said to Me or And Then He Told Me or something. But it's uh, Bernard Pearson talking about Discworld. And it's great.
1: Want to remind everybody that you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, we are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. And in addition to myself, you are enjoying the thrilling musings of Drew Bittner, Emily Witten, and Julian Lytle. And we are all in our respective homes. We are gathering through the miracle of technology, because we are observing social distancing, as you should, too. The sooner all of us lock ourselves inside and stay there, the sooner we'll be able to get out. And I get so upset when I see these people gathering uh, outside in groups, because I'm thinking not only are you putting your lives at risk, but you are contributing to us being stuck because it only works if everybody does it so um, I just actually got done with something that I thought was really cool Uh, it's uh, it's called Warrior and uh, it came out last year actually Uh, it's based on the writings of Bruce Lee and if you know anything about uh, that show with David Carradine that was on ABC was called Kung Fu apparently a lot of that sprang from discussions with Bruce Lee. But Warrior is about uh, the late 1800s. It is set in San Francisco in Chinatown, a story about these tongs that are at war and uh, what was going on in the state at the time and the very heavy anti-Chinese sentiment, even though uh, Chinese people coming over from China uh, was a incredible source of cheap labor and you get to see what some of that was like but uh, of course because it's based on the writings of bruce lee and it's called warrior a lot of fighting kung fu action and uh, this guy who is the star is really great the fight choreography is great the characters are great the music is great and they're going to do a second season so I, i i'm all in
2: nice where can you find that
1: I was quite pleased to find out that it had been out long enough that it was available on demand, then it was free. So so if you happen to have cable television, uh, you can look this up on your on-demand system. I happen to have Comcast, so it was Xfinity all the way. Nice.
2: I have that too. (laughs) Um,
1: you go. All right. Well, you can watch it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, let's see. Cycling around. uh, I believe we're back to... uh, do you, are julian
3: i'm enjoying westworld season three that's all about two thirds of the way through so um for people who don't watch westworld it's a remake of the old movie about robots in a theme park that get sentient and then turn on the human beings and it's very good yeah this season uh it didn't start off too great for me but a lot of later episodes I-, I found more interesting so it's a lot of it is uh one of the main characters, which is uh, one of the androids, leaves the park and then brings her battle to the um, the human world. And there's there's a bunch of new characters and new plot points that get opened up on reasons why certain things happened. And that's all as far as I'm gonna go because the rest will be spoilery. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it is a interesting cyberpunkish mess. This season. Also, if you like Grand Theft Auto, you will enjoy this show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that that Westworld is actually one that I like. And, uh, in fact, the best of all things happened when I first started watching it. Um, It's very similar to what's uh, happening with Warrior, because I discovered season one right before season two came out. So I didn't have to wait at all. (laughs) I watched season one, and then it was like the next week. Oh, the premiere of season two. So I was very excited about that. But, uh, yeah, a great show. Hey, Drew, what do you got? Um, hey there. One of
0: the more interesting things we've seen crop up, uh, something that my wife reminded me about, is that we're seeing the late-night talk show hosts like um, Trevor Noah and Ooh, Stephen Colbert. Confused.
2: Sorry, I got and,
0: excited. <laughs> and John oh Oliver and these guys doing shows from their houses, and yes. they're, they're maintaining a presence online and they're still doing their thing and getting their voices and, and ideas out there, but they're doing it from home. And so we're seeing every, everyone from Conan O'Brien to, you know, Jimmy Fallon. And if you haven't watched any of these, go out and watch them because a lot of them are just great and they show an awful lot of heart and they're rough around the edges and they're they're unpolished as anything, but they're great shows. And there have been concerts from home. There have been all sorts of activities people have taken. There was an, an Elmo's play date special that was on tbs earlier this evening that was you know done from home and they had a whole bunch of people like skyping in and zooming in and so on <laughs> so so there's been that so i would i would say go out, go out to youtube and look at what the people are doing that you know the like well-known evening late late, late night talk show hosts uh, doing their thing and bringing it to youtube and and keeping that your flame alive
1: well, there you go. Thanks for that. Uh, Emily?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm all for that. I have uh, Facebook notifying me whenever The Daily Show posts a new video. I'm very fond of Trevor Noah's living room or whatever it is now. Like, seriously, it makes me really <laughs> happy when he does these little video clips. Uh, the ones I like the most are just him doing essentially sit-down stand-up on his couch because they're just very – I don't know. I just like them. Um, so I second that. I'm I'm going to go – far away from what we've been talking about and say that i did a virtual escape room which was really cool it was called lola in space and my friend sunil set it up and uh i, I was just one of his five of his four of his other five fr- you know there was a bunch of us that i i only knew sunil but it was essentially if you've done an escape room very similar to how you would do an escape room except it was by zoom meeting and so we all zoomed in, and then there was someone running it, who's one of the people, you know, in who works for the company. And she walked us through, you know, doing it, but we were still solving the puzzle. She was just kind of taking the camera around and saying, do you want me to do this? What should I do now? And it was really fun. We escaped. It took us almost the entire hour. But it was essentially letting, uh, figuring out how to get Lola out of the space station she was locked in, which is very science fiction um (laughs) and it's a san francisco company called reason that does these escape rooms so if you if you want to give it a try i I think you can do it's tryreason.com. and we had so much fun so that would be my recommendation for maybe like a weekend thing to set up if you're still working during the week but you've got you know some at home weekend time or a friday night or something um give that a try super fun
1: Mm, yeah, I gotcha. Okay. Hey, um, so I'm going to skip over myself because we're almost out of time and I want to do one more round of this. So I'll, I'll probably stick a couple of things, things in at the very end, but, um, you know, we can, we have time to go around one more time and to mention like, uh, one more thing that you can direct somebody to. So, uh, Julian.
3: Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I don't got. I don't got nothing, man. I'm just watching wrestling. Other than that, it's just, <laughs> they're still doing wrestling every every night. Supposed to come on with no people in the audience. I don't even know if that's actually fun for everybody else to watch, unless you really care about wrestling. So, other than that, I, I don't have anything to, to to really to really stream or binge because that's just not my thing, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm tapped out now.
1: Okay. All right. No worries. All right, uh, Drew. What do you
0: got? um i would say if you have amazon look at amazon prime there's an awful lot of stuff there there's a ton of things i'd never watched before but i know are just sitting there waiting for me um i liked the boys um, i liked carnival row and i mean a lot of people love you know man in the high tower and marvelous Mrs. Maisel and a lot of other shows like that so um, I think that's one thing that we're going to see more of. I think we're going to see a lot more of the streaming services like Netflix and Amazon Prime and and so on really coming into their own as as places where you can kind of create your own programming schedule um, as, as, you know, the sort of eclipse
1: networks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Emily?
2: Well, I'm going to go for a couple that I'm planning to uh, assimilate into my brain. Um, one is the Cuddles and Rage crew of Liz and Jimmy Reed sent me a copy of Bites of Terror, which is their new book with the little clay figurines that they make and they do tableaus with. It's hard to describe, but it's really cool, and so that is on my list to read. Uh, Hulu has put Parasite on its streaming service, and so Tom and I are going to watch that this weekend. I'm very excited, because I did miss it in the theaters, and I definitely want to see it. And then I've got to share, just because it's so ridiculous, that if you haven't read my book, I know it's a plug, but there's a reason for it. In the Underfoot, uh, we've predicted now, as I mentioned earlier in the show, a flood, a pandemic, and a volcanic eruption. So maybe everyone should be reading this book, because then you'll know what's going to happen next. (laughs) 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 If you you guys didn't didn't know about this, um, Fletcher's Cove in D.C., along with other areas of DC flooded and a plot point in the underfoot too, has to do with that area and potential flooding. And then, um, some of our science pages in the book discuss a pandemic virus and then the eruption of a volcano. And so then of course the virus came and now Krakatoa has erupted. So we're not going to make any jokes about an asteroid that was also mentioned in the book. (laughs) 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 Oh wait, too bad. Um, (laughs) But I will say, you know, I, I'm I'm rereading my own book because we're working on some cool things that we can release for kids to do while they're stuck at home. So, uh, you know, we can stay tuned for some free kid activities, hopefully, from Oni Press. But uh, because of that, I have been using both my physical copy and comiXology book to reference my own work to, to do stuff. And uh, in the process, and talking to Mike Lunsford, another, another of our friends, was reminded that we had put this stuff about the pandemic and the volcano in there. <laughs> so there you go. I'm rereading my own book, but it's because um, we're working on book two and on activities for kids.
1: <laughs> great stuff there, certainly. Jeez. Hey, so um, in, in on the way out, because, uh, of course, another great show. Uh, I wish that... Uh, and I, I wish I had discovered this whole remote recording thing uh, a little bit earlier. I'm actually, uh, I I sent away for uh, a headset with a microphone because I was very unhappy with my own audio quality, but hey, it's one of the things that I've come to recognize as I've been watching television, because everybody is Skyping and Zooming and doing all this stuff, but um, I I will simply say that uh, it's never a bad time to rediscover some of the old TV shows that you might have grown up with as a kid. I mean, I've... Uh, ended up uh, being up late at night uh, watching red eye sci fi and <laughs> stuff like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and The Old Lost in Space. And again, some of these old movies uh, that you might have really enjoyed. In fact, uh, it was, uh, what was it, The Mummy's Hand or The Mummy's Curse or something was on the <laughs> other night. That was on Ghoulie. I really had a good time with that. But whatever you do, uh, there's plenty of stuff to keep you engaged and entertain because there's a whole world of stuff out there and uh, it's it's you might as well uh, avail yourself of the opportunity to enjoy it because hey what else are you going to do <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> anyway look uh, that's all the time that we have for today's episode i'd like to thank my guests Drew Bittner and Emily Witten and Julian Lytle for coming on and particularly for coming on in such like Short notice and helping me out getting this show recorded because I got to get it edited and get the doggone thing on the air in time for air this weekend. And thanks to you all, we are actually going to do it. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. And if you happen to be in the Arlington, Virginia area where this radio show airs, you can check out Fantastic Forum, the television version, on Saturday and Sunday nights on Comcast Channel 69. Horizon Fios Channel 38 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, check out the website at fantasticforum.tv. We also are on Twitter. We've got Instagram. We've got all sorts of ways that we can connect with you. If you miss any portion of the show, you can check it out on Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m. right here on WERA. It's also available for streaming via WERA. And if nothing else, make sure you come back next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Stay safe, stay healthy. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody.